we do call upon your Holy Spirit to move in our midst this morning. We rely upon you and only you to animate your word, to bring your word to life in our hearts, in our minds. Open our blinded eyes that we might see. Open our deaf ears that we might hear. Open our hardened hearts that we might receive all that your word has for us this morning. We pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you stand to your feet, reverence God's word with me as we read 2 Samuel chapter 23. We'll read verses 13 through 17. 2 Samuel chapter 23 and beginning in verse number 13. I want to thank the church for giving us leave this week to go up into the mountains, the Smoky Mountains. We spent a few days there in Gatlinburg and... uh, I understand Brother Lester Jenkins uh, did did you a good job Wednesday noon, and I'm glad that he was able to come and minister the word in my stead. And I thank you, church, for giving us that leave. Uh, We were both filled up and dispensed for Christ while we were there. Amen, family? Uh, It was not only a time of refreshing, but a time of ministry, and God uh, privileged us to be able to participate in his plan there. And we thank God for what he did while we were gone. Amen. All right, 2 Samuel 23, verse 13. And three of the 30 chief went down and came to David in the harvest time unto the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. I apologize if I'm not pronouncing these words correctly. Uh, some of you are like, it sounds good to me. Amen. <laughs> Verse 14. David was then in an hold, mm, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men broke through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. Notice your Bible. Now it says, These things did these three mighty men. With God's help, I feel instructed to preach to you a subject entitled, Where? are God's mighty men. Thank you, and you can be seated in God's presence this morning. David here, having not only known, but experiencing the costs of war, 
is now in a hold, the Bible says. That means the enemy uh, has him cornered, has him camping out in a cave, strategizing and praying and praising and believing God for the next move to victory. And uh, providentially, because God's anointing was already on King David, uh, that David was surrounded by mighty men that God installed into his ministry to enable him to do things that he would not be able to do by himself. If you're with me, say amen. And so David was there, and in fact... Uh, my first point about mighty men of God is that mighty men are men who serve with loyalty to the king at any risk. They serve with loyalty. You saw in our opening portion of scripture here that David was thirsty. And I read it as if it was just a passing thought. I don't take it that David actually instructed his men to go through the risks that they went through to get him this drink of water from the well of Bethlehem. But he just got to talking about it. said, boy, it sure would be good right now if I could just get a cool drink from that well down there. Because he missed the well in Bethlehem. The enemy had set up camp in the city of God and it was not supposed to be that way. And David was like, oh, if we could get back to the wells of water that I grew up around. But it, we're in a different place today. We're in a different position today. And I wondered this morning how many churches do remember a day in your lifetime where when you came to the house of God, it was as if heaven opened up and God poured His Spirit on you, and you left fuller than you come. And how many of you have experienced seasons of drought, spiritually speaking? I may not be speaking to someone who feels like you're in a spiritual drought today, but undoubtedly someone watching by way of internet is sitting at home, if for no other reason than because they went to most of the wells within their region, or they could not get to the wells that were full of water, so God showed them a place that they could get a fresh drink this morning. And I'm not making much of anything that we are, but only to know that and recognize that God is doing something special, and God is doing something unique here at Washington Heights Baptist Church that none of us, including and especially myself, can take any credit for. You are, in fact, in a move of God. Oh, I know it looks rough sometimes. I know that David looks like he's cornered here on the battle, but the end is not yet. Amen. Now, you haven't read the rest of the story. And I know sometimes our numbers are down. And I know sometimes it seems like uh, more people are leaving than coming. But let me tell you something. Uh, when there's a move of God, sometimes you're going to have days where you feel cornered. There's sometimes you're going to have days where you feel like you're in a holding pattern where it seems like you're not regressing but it seems like you're not progressing you're just kind of stuck and did you know that over 80 percent of churches today are likely either stuck at a plateau or in decline spiritually speaking and numerically speaking today 
this ought to resonate with many churches today. The fact uh, that God would send a servant to pastor a church uh, and that the church would go through these kinds of trials and tribulations as they try to advance the kingdom of God for the gospel of Christ uh, uh, and then discovering uh, that it seems like everywhere uh, God begins to work uh, down in their Bethlehems, if you will, the enemy starts setting up camp uh, to try to stop us from tapping into the rich resource of the work of God that he begins to do in our midst and uh, God is looking if I might borrow this phrase for a few good men <laughs> God is looking for some mighty men of God and I, I, I want to apologize to the ladies if uh, I'm being too gender specific this morning. Uh, it is not meant to leave you out. It is not meant to offend you. It is simply meant to, to put emphasis on uh, what the Bible is putting emphasis on and to remind this generation uh, that we should not underestimate the sheer power of the influence of men who will stand up for God and get a backbone for the cause of Christ. This generation has weakened They've demoralized and they've feminized the male member of the human race. They have tried to switch roles and put the women where the men's supposed to be and put the men where the women's supposed to be and they don't realize it, but they're under a curse of the devil who has lied to them to try to reverse roles to weaken the nations of the earth so that men will not stand up and be courageous. And today I'm calling for the men of God uh, to stand up. Today I'm calling for the men of God uh, to get a backbone. Yes, you heard it straight. Amen. Uh, I'm calling for the men of God uh, to lose your fear, lose your anxiety, lose your worrying, uh, and start standing up and being courageous. Uh, listen, to be courageous don't mean that you don't fear. It just means you stand in spite of the fear. Amen. Uh, God's calling some men uh, to stand up and be counted for in the kingdom of God. And shame on the churches that have to be ran by the women because the men will not stand up and uh, own their rightful position as leaders, as spiritual leaders of the church and spiritual leaders of their home. I've come to preach a manly message, so if my tones are too stout, maybe it's because this culture has been tamed uh, to not receive stout words for men who be, need to be able to receive hard sayings uh, and adjust their lives accordingly instead of whining and complaining about it and running the preacher out of town on a rail because they had enough courage to speak the truth in the face of danger. Mighty men are those who serve with loyalty to their king at any risk. Why were they so loyal to King David? Well, I tell you why. Because King David was out there facing the giant when all of them were standing up on the hillside shaking in their boots and nobody would dare come up against Goliath. And because David stood up and said, you know what, is there not a cause because David stood up and faced Goliath, that giant that no other man in the army, even the king himself, was willing to face. He defeated the armies of the, the he defeated the armies of the enemy of the living God, and then all of a sudden, his fame spread throughout the kingdom, 
and they begin to sing songs. Saul has slain his thousands, but David has tens of thousands. All he killed was one giant. But God magnified his leadership in the eyes of them, and all of a sudden they saw a leader in David they didn't see in their own king. And David was now ready to rally troops to, uh, to have loyalty to the cause of the kingdom because he had loyalty to the cause of the kingdom. He was not asking the people to pay a price that he had not already paid publicly himself. It's called servanthood leadership. You pray for your pastor. I want to lead in servanthood. I don't want to ask you to do anything that I haven't already experienced myself. Some people think it's hard to sit up under my pastoral style because I'm so direct and so blunt and and sometimes I guess I can be offensive. But can I tell you something? I'm just being open. And I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you what God's done in my life. I'm not saying that I deserve any credit for this at all because God had to drag me through it. I didn't always have a willing heart and I didn't always have a good attitude about it. But I had to learn to serve in places where I did not agree with the manner or the style of the leadership that God put me under, but I had to learn to respect the position even when I didn't necessarily agree with the person. And because I learned the principle, touch not God's anointed and do my prophets no harm, God began to bless my walk with Him and my ministry because I was willing to serve even in excruciatingly painful and sacrificial circumstances. And I'm not asking you to do anything that God hasn't already forced my hand to do myself. But I'm telling you something as your pastor that we need to be willing to do what it takes uh, to claim our Mount Zion for the cause of Christ. Amen. And it's going to take more than me. And it's going to take more than you. It's going to take all of us rallying around the cause of Christ and making Jesus our central focus and making the Bible our central command. Amen. And if we'll rally around the truth of God's Word, all of our disagreements will be dissipated in the light of the Word of God. And we can learn to serve God together. And God can bless you to follow my leadership as I follow the leadership of the Word of God as directed by the Holy Spirit. Are we okay this morning? Say amen. So we need some mighty men who will serve with loyalty to the cause of Christ. I'm not asking you to be loyal to me. I'm asking you to be loyal to the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm asking you to be loyal to this book to whom I owe all of my allegiance. Amen. I've got some skin in the game, and I expect you to have some too. Can I get an amen, church? Not only are mighty men those who serve with loyalty at any risk, but number two, I'd like to say this. Mighty men are men of action. Now let's look at some other verses in this chapter. If you'll notice in verse number eight, these be the names of the mighty men whom David had. And he begins to name them, starting with the first one, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat chief among the captains the same was Adeno the Eznite he lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time can I say this he was a bad dude amen could you imagine slaying 
800 men all by yourself. That's why he was categorically labeled as one of the mighty men. Amen. And you know what God's looking for in the church? Uh, that if 800 devils come up against you, uh, you're going to remain loyal to your king uh, and you're going to remain loyal to his servants as they follow his king uh, and you will not bow down under pressure and you'll not tuck tail and run uh, but you'll stay in the fight uh, and you'll rise up and you'll slay. Uh, Bible says one will slay a thousand but two shall slay ten thousand uh, and God is looking for some mighty men who are not only loyal but men who are men of action notice that he did what had to be done you might ask why did he kill 800 well that must have been how many enemies he had that must have been what the job required how many times do we fall short of what's needed how many times do we stop short of what is required to actually build a church for the glory of God. And I don't even like to use that phrase because Christ is building the church. We're not building it. We're participating his, in His plan on how He's building His church. But how many times do we stop short of the cost that it actually takes to do the work of an evangelist and watch God build His church? So many people are only willing to go so far. Oh, I might could kill two or three, but 800 is too much. I just don't know how far I can go. You know what this mighty man did? He said, I don't care how many comes my way. I'm not going to stop, stop fighting until there's none left standing but me. Amen. And he was a man of action. He was not a man of mediocrity. He was not one of those other ones that tuck tail and run. Amen. Amen. And I want to make note of this, that this was an offensive position. He was not reactionary. Amen. He didn't wait till things happened and then stand up. He, uh, he took initiative uh, and he went out and did battle whenever there was an enemy that needed to be whooped. And God's looking for some mighty men who will have the spiritual discernment to, through the Holy Spirit of God that when God identifies a need in the church or, uh, or a place where the enemy's trying to creep in and try to cause division, that you'll be willing to be the one to stand up and nip it in the bud and call it out for what it is and say, Thus saith the Lord, amen, and declare the Word of God over that situation and snap it out before it spreads like wildfire. Amen. Men who will stand up in the face uh, of obstacles and adversity. Men who will stand up against uh, lies uh, and deceit. Men who will stand up against uh, gossip and bickering and backbiting and complaining. Uh, amen. And, and, and uh, mully grubbing, if you will. Men who will stand up and, and fight for the cause of Christ uh, and keep the main thing the main thing. You can change the atmosphere by being a man of action. Amen. Men today uh, want to sit on the sidelines uh, because they're heavily criticized when this society or when the church or when the spouse or when a kid or when somebody thinks uh, that they're not leading right or they're not doing right or they didn't do it right. Uh, but I want to thank God for those who are courageous enough to stand up even at the risk of doing it wrong. Uh, but they're willing to stand up and do something for God. Amen. We need some men of action. Inactivity never built a church. Inactivity never won a soul. Inactivity never went across the world on the mission field to preach the gospel to regions that never heard about the name of Jesus. It took mighty men of God who were men of action. Men of, uh, who are mighty or loyal, they're men of action. 
Uh, but watch now your Bible in verses number 9 and 10. After him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, and one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. Oh, when did he arise? Verse 10 says he arose. But what, ju- what did it just say? And when all the other men of Israel were gone, this one rose. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. And his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only to spoil. And you know it's always funny. There's that crowd that don't want to put no skin in the game. But they always show up for the spoils after the battle's over. Boy, they're happy to take uh, what you worked hard for, what you prayed hard for, what you stood hard for. And and, and churches uh, today are happy uh, to take all the spiritual benefits uh, that their pastor sacrificed for, that their pastor prayed over, that their pastor endured hardness as a good soldier to be able to give to you. Uh, But when the church begins to receive more than they take, the church starts to die. Because the pastor was never meant to pay all the price. And I would have said this if I was not the pastor of this church. I'm trying to help us see a spiritual application here of what it looks like for a church to say, you know what? If I don't care who leaves the battle scene. I'm staying and I'm fighting for Jesus. Amen. I'm staying and I'm fighting. Number three, mighty men are men of commitment. The Bible said that his hand was weary, but his hand clave unto the sword. And some of you have been slaying, and some of you have been slinging the Word of God. Some of you have been fighting for years, uh, and your hand's getting weak, uh, and times are getting tough, and the devil's whispering in one ear, uh, and the backbiter's whispering in the other, and you're also contemplating just laying down that sword. Uh, maybe not temporarily. That's never our intention. Maybe I just need a little rest. Uh, but the very second you lay that sword down is the second your enemy can take your head off. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You better hold on to that sword. Uh, you better cleave to that sword until God... God brings the great victory, amen. Somebody needs to hold on to the sword of God's word. The devil's been telling you uh, that you might as well just uh, uh, slip back into the shadows uh, and let somebody else step up to the front lines. Uh, But God's calling somebody to step up to the front lines uh, and to do work for Jesus, amen. Notice because we, uh, verse 9, we notice that he fought alone. Amen. And most people don't want to fight alone. They like to have at least two or three others giving witness to him. Amen. Uh, we like to at least have one other person in the crowd agreeing with us uh, before we speak up. But sometimes uh, you need to say it if you're the only one saying it, if it represents the actual truth of the Word of God. Amen. And sometimes, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you, you'll see your pastor get up in the pulpit and I'll have to preach on something that ain't very popular, that don't go over very well. Uh, I'd just like to ask you to give me the courtesy of not letting me be preaching up here all by myself. Amen. Uh, why don't you holler out a amen every once in a while, even if it's a oh me, don't let me stand up here all by myself. Amen. Oh, that's right. Uh, and listen, uh, 
when somebody comes up against uh, your leadership of your church, whether they're talking bad about a deacon or whether they're talking bad about the pastor or they're talking bad about a Sunday school teacher, you need to learn how to say if you don't, if this is not a legitimate concern uh, that can be brought before two or three eyewitnesses, then I don't need to have another syllable of conversation about this matter and stand up against it and be bold and daring and courageous uh, no matter who it is or how much money they have or how much influence they have or how good a friend they are. Stand for truth and don't let your leaders uh, stand all by themselves. Amen. That's right. Praise God. Amen. Mighty men are men of commitment. Notice he not only fought alone, but better than that, he finished despite his fatigue. Uh, mighty men are men of commitment who commit to the cause of Christ uh, all the way to the finish line. It didn't matter how tough it was. Uh, amen. He's toughed it out. Praise God. Uh, where are God's mighty men? Where are those loyal to the cause of Christ and the work that God has going at Washington Heights. Where are men of action? Where are men of commitment? You say we have some. I, I know we have some. I'm not preaching to the ones that have already stood up. I'm preaching to the ones that still need to. Amen. I, and if the shoe fits, where? Uh, let the Holy Spirit of God dial your number and call you back into battle. Look at verse 11 now. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite, and the Philistines were gathered together in a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. Oh, I like me some good lentils, don't you? Question, how many of you ever had my wife's lentils? Raise your hand. There's a few of you. If you haven't had my wife's lentils, you need. Amy, next time we have a church fellowship, we're going to announce it. Everybody needs to come get a taste of it. It's some good stuff. Hallelujah. Oh, them lentils are good, but watch what happened. The Bible said, and the people fled from the Philistines. Here they are again, running and hiding, letting the Philistines, letting the devil, letting the flesh, letting the world just take over any ground that was gained for Christ. Can I say something? There's been too many people pay too much a price for us to have what we have, for us to just lay down and let them come in and take it back over. I can say this on a national level. There's been too much blood spilled for our freedoms for Americans to stick their head in the sand and act like this government is not trying to rob us of every freedom that we have. And it's time that God's people... And it's time that the nation of America value, amen, our spiritual heritage and our, liberal, our heritage of liberty and protect what God has entrusted to us. But I'm talking this morning more to the church and less to America, although that's a good principle to apply. We need to recognize the value of what it is that God has blessed us with. The truth is, I don't really know. I've not been here long enough, and even if I was here another 20 years, I'd never know the sacrifices that were paid the last 50 years of the church. The last 70. What year was this established? Since 1955. I, there's no way under heaven I know the price that was paid, the sacrifices that were made. The people that gave their very last penny to make sure the light stayed on at this church. It's too precious for us to neglect. It's too precious for us to squander. 
is too precious for us to just let it fizzle out and die after so many have gone before. It's too precious for us to let the young generation have a misunderstanding of what we're trying to do for them, to not do what it takes to bridge, the, build the bridge between the old generation and the young generation so that we can connect again, so that they can pr- a value and put a price on what it is that we're trying to pass down to them. It's too great a price to let go and God's looking for some mighty men that'll stand in the middle of this Holy Ghost pee patch and say, I, I will defend the heritage of the Lord. I, you come at me, I'm ready for you. Amen. I'm ready for you. I didn't come this far in my journey to quit on God and to let go of everything I've built up or I've tried to build up as far as spiritual value for my children and my church to get a hold of and carry on down the road. Oh, so help me God to stand strong and to be a mighty man of defense. Oh, it's time to defend some things. Amen. I have a a preacher friend of mine that makes this statement, and I agree with it. I'll offend you over my church. Amen. Don't start slapping the bride of Christ around with your verbal abuse. I ain't going to listen to it. I love every one of you, and I love this church, and I'm not going to listen to no trash talk about anybody. I'm going to stand up for you. I'm going to defend you. Amen. Now, If there needs to be correction, we'll do that, but we'll do it in love. But we we don't correct to run people off. We correct to bring us closer together, to strengthen the bond so that we can be better for Christ and do better for Christ and do more for Christ and go further for Christ than we've ever gone before. The goal is not to boot out those I don't like and keep the ones I do. The goal is for all of us to become more spiritually mature together as a full body of Christ, vibrant uh, and doing mighty exploits for the King of kings and the Lord of lords uh, so that no child is left behind uh, as we march over into the promised land of what God has for our ministry. We need mighty men of defense who will stand their ground. The Bible said he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. Listen, when all others flee from the battle, this mighty man, he fleed to the battle. And that's what mighty men do. They don't run from trouble, they run to it. They say, where's the problem? They identify the problem, they face the problem, they call it out, they deal with it, they fix it, then they can move on. And I've seen too many churches dry up on the vine and die because there were no mighty men to address the enemies, the issues of the enemy that were planted in their camp. Just sweep that one under the rug. I don't want to offend. Meantime, the Holy Ghost is offended every week as we ignore sin in the camp. Amen. And as we ignore issues that the Bible has raised since it was written and we pretend like oh i've never heard that before that's your own fault you never read the bible amen you never listen to the voice of the holy spirit if you read your bible and let the holy spirit talk to you he'll say some of the same things you has been saying to me amen it's the same bible and this uh, mighty man was a man of defense he refused to lose gained ground He refused to lose gained 
ground. If God puts something on your heart to do for Him and for you to start a ministry, and you begin to lay the foundation for that ministry, then all hell comes up against it. If you've gained any ground, fight to keep it because the war is not over. It's just begun. Church, thinking not strange concerning any fiery trial which might be sent to try us, as though some strange things happened to us because we started reaching out to the community and doing things that we've never done before. Let's not lose ground over the battle. Let's not get timid and shy and back off because the heat's too strong or the cost is too great, but let's pray that God will raise up some mighty people in our camp. Amen. Uh, look at verses 18 and 19. And Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Jeriah, was chief among three, and he lifted up his spear against 300 and slew them and had the name among three. Now watch this. Was he not most honorable of three? Therefore he was their captain, howbeit he attained not unto the first three. It's interesting, though, that he did such great works, even though he wasn't part of the first three great mighty men, he was often named among them. Meaning, I think it's got a twofold meaning. Other, either people talked about him as if they talked about the other three great men, or these three great men recognized who he was because of the sacrifices he made. Number four, mighty men are honorable. Do you want to know what to, uh, to, to, to be honorable means? To be honorable deals with rank which is given by reputation and respect. I'm going to say that again. I'm giving you some food for thought this morning. It's good to be quiet sometimes. Rank which is given by reputation and respect. This guy did the work before he was ever given the title. This guy earned the respect of the position before the label was slapped on. They say that Henry Ford used to have a slogan that before they put that Ford name on that vehicle at the end of the assembly line, they would inspect it for top quality. And they said the name, that the name would never go on until the quality was put in. And you know what men do? Men slap labels on people and pretend like just because they gave them the title uh, that they're worthy of the call that they're worthy of the position. But God's looking for people who'll pay the price when they're a nobody, who'll pay the price when nobody knows who they are. Amen. Who'll pay the price not for fame and fortune and popularity, but because it's the right thing to do. And then, and then when you humble yourself before the almighty hand of God, in due time Christ will exalt thee. I've seen people... Not in this church, but I've seen people doing the, all the work of a deacon that the Bible says to do. Right up until they were given the title. And then all of a sudden something messed with their head. And the title made them feel like they needed to start doing things traditionally instead of biblically. So they went from doing the work of a deacon, which is, you know, uh, helping the widows and the orphans and serving the church right all the stuff visiting people things like that to holding business meetings once a month they stopped doing the work that the title actually expected of them that's just one example i've seen preachers 
serve God wholeheartedly. Give everything they have to the cause of Christ until they're put in the position of a pastor and all of a sudden they got arrogant. All of a sudden they were no longer hungry. And they were no longer humble. And they lost the touch of God because they forgot what it took to get the title to start with. It took character. It took servanthood. It took a reputation. It took respect. And the same thing that gets you the title, the same thing that's going to enable you to keep it. And Can I get an amen this morning? Mighty men live honorably, which means they have the reputation and the respect before they're ever given rank. And I want to say this, I don't believe in putting somebody in a position with a title just to hope that they'll be faithful because they were entrusted to something. They need to prove their faithfulness before they're ever given that position. Because the Bible says faithfulness in, a, uh, uh, in the uh, confidence in an unfaithful man, thank you, is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. They'll let you down. Amen. I, I've seen people... Said I, boy, preacher, we're moving right down the road within walking distance to the church. We'll be faithful now. As soon as they moved in, they were just as unfaithful, if not worse, than they were before they had to drive 30 minutes to get there. Because faithful wasn't in them before they moved, and faithful wasn't in them after they moved. Amen. When God puts faithfulness in you, you're in it for the long haul. It don't matter what cost it is. You are committed to the cause of Christ. I appreciate a daddy who drove 45 minutes one way, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night for years between the ages of 12 and 18 in my life until I was old enough to have my own job, buy my own car, drive my own way. Hey, man, he would drive that three times a week, 45 minutes one way. Why? Because his boys got in on what God was doing, and he knew that more than anything else, his boys needed God. Amen. So he paid the price of faithfulness so that we could get in on what God was doing in our life. Now today, people won't drive 10 minutes. If there's a church five minutes away, they'll take that one. The question is not what church is closest to you geographically, but what church is closest to the heart of God. That's the church that God wants you to be a part of. Amen. We got some right in our midst that drive a long way to come, and I thank God for you. And I believe if you would ask them to stand and testify, they would say it's because of what God feeds their soul every time they come. But God's looking for some people who are mighty and honorable, who will pay the price, who will get the reputation and earn the respect, uh, uh, and not even looking for a title, just looking to serve God and make a difference. Mighty men of honor. I got two more. If you can stick with me, say amen. Verse 20, and Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kebzeel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in the time of snow. That seems to be the most random verse. <laughs> By the way, he went down into a pit to kill a lion. I think he did it for sport, just because you know how men like to flex their muscles. Oh, yeah. I bet you ain't never went into a pit with a lion and come out alive with the snow on the ground. That sounds like one of them stories you told your kid. I walked, uh, you know, to school 10 miles one way, uh, uphill both ways when I was a kid in the snow, right? I see this man. Yeah, barefoot. 
I knew I messed it up. Look what he did, though. He killed two lion-like men. That means these guys were intimidating. By the way, the devil always sends intimidating personalities to try to mess up the peace of a church. He does. And you just got to be bold. You just you can't let them get to you. Amen. You just got to stand courageous and stand your ground and let God be God. Amen. And if they say something stupid, ignore them. And if you have to confront them, say that was stupid and then walk off. Amen. But don't let lion-like personalities that ain't filled with the Spirit of God and don't have uh, a touch of God and a love for His people and don't have wisdom from this book ruin your day at church. There's, there's going to be people like that everywhere. You know why? Because light attracts bugs. Amen. There's going to be some crazy folks up from time to time. Some of them's going to, and I've seen this. I've seen uh, lion-like personalities end up in positions of authority simply because they're, uh, they're bullies. And people would rather put them in a position of authority so that they can run the show than to confront them because they don't have the willpower to resist hard-headedness. But this guy, amen, this guy stood up to the lion-like men. Amen. This guy stood up to the lion-like men. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Number five, no, number six, mighty men are aggressively courageous. Aggressively courageous. It's interesting, notice verse 20, it said he was the son of a valiant man. I want to say this, courage breeds courage. You'll find that if you'll be courageous, other people will back your play. Other people will stand up and be courageous. They're just waiting for a leader. Be a leader, amen. Stand up and stand for God and stand for God's people. Verse 21, he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man, and the Egyptian had a spear in his hand. But he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. That was a bad dude. He didn't let that guy uh, intimidate him. He said, but he had a spear. He was an Egyptian. He was well trained. Well, apparently he wasn't trained enough. I believe this mighty man said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. I believe this mighty man stepped right down to the enemy, plucked that thing out of his hand, just like the Bible said, and killed him with his own spear. Because he was aggressively courageous. He wasn't just courageous when the battle was brought to him. He was courageous enough to bring the battle to the devil. And this is where I see most churches today. We're in a defensive posture, not an offensive posture. We wait till the battle's brought to us, and then we might stand up. And I say that very weakly. But God, give us some churches that will march right into the very gates of hell. Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Where are the churches that will say, where are the drug addicts? Where are the harlots? Let's go find them and witness to them. And watch God save their wrecked lives and put them in the choir. Amen. Where are the Christians that will go and find where the homeless people are and start putting food on their table and clothes on their back and love? people where they're hurting instead of waiting on them to find us where we're at. I'm talking about we need an aggressive church that's not afraid of the battle and not afraid of the cost but that'll say I will go where the Lord leads me to go. Amen. It takes some aggressive courage to do this. 
Courage breeds courage and confidence takes over. Whenever you start operating under the anointing of the Lord, confidence will kick in and God will give you the confidence you need to do the task that's at hand. I got one more. Look at verses 22 and 23. These things, by the way, somebody bring me some water if you don't mind. These things did Maniah the son of Jehoiada and had the name among three mighty men. We're talking about the same guy, but watch your Bible, verse 23. He was more what? Honorable than the 30. Now, wait a minute. I thought we were talking about three. But now we're talking about 30. Well, they're different classes. This one's sandwiched right between them. This one was so honorable that the three top dogs knew who he was. And he was also so honorable that the other 30 aspiring soldiers that wanted to be like the mighty three recognized this guy for who he was, and they wanted to be like him because they figured if they could, the more they can be like him, the closer they can get to being like the three mighty men. You know what? We need some heroes of the faith today. And we do. Daddy, that's why you need to live for God. If you don't set the example, who will? i got news for you. There's no way in this God's green earth that I can be a replacement for daddy in your children's spiritual needs, in the life of your children's spiritual needs. One sermon a week or a couple sermons a month or three sermons a week or whatever your uh, level of commitment is to the church, and I'm not saying that derogatory, but no, and no matter how much or how little you're able to come and sit your children up under the anointed preaching of God's Word, that is not a substitute for Daddy's need to be a spiritual hero in the home. They need a hero that they can live with and see as the real deal day in and day out. As far as they know, I could be a fake. They don't see enough of me to know whether I'm the same guy outside of the pulpit that I am in the pulpit. But they see you every single day of your life. And the most impactful person for them to see a real Christian in is the one that they live with. Because if you can love God when you're down and love God when you're up and when you can support the church when you're in agreement with them and you can support the church even when you don't agree with them and when you can be sweet to people when they're sweet to you and then you can be sweet to people when they're nasty to you, guess what? Your children will learn where their loyalty should lie. It should not lie in men, but it should lie in Christ our King. Amen. And they will become soldiers and mighty men themselves because you Show them how to do it. Thank you, John. That's real good. So number seven, and lastly, mighty men are inspiring. They're inspiring. Mm. I want my life to inspire somebody to give their all for Jesus. And one of the ways that I try to do that is I try to give my all for Jesus. I try. I'm not the best at it. I've got a long way to go. I mess up almost every day of my life. No, let me back up. I, I mess up almost every minute of my life. But I'm trying to set an example, not just preach it from the pulpit, but live it out. Because when I grew up as a teenager, and I towed my Bible to school because I loved Jesus, 
And some of my classmates that went to churches didn't have the zeal for God that I had. I began to ask myself, why? I don't get it. I don't know why people can't love Jesus like I love Jesus. And I began to figure out it was because they had hypocrites for parents. They would sing, oh, how I love Jesus on Sunday morning. Then they would cuss mama out on the way home because they got in an argument. Or they'd eat the preacher for lunch and give him a sin. You know, see what I'm saying? And because of the hypocrisy, they assumed that it was all just a show. Not realizing that just because there's fakes in the ministry doesn't mean there's the, not the real deal. And that's why we need to live an inspiring life in front of our kids, not just preach an inspirational sermon once or twice a month. These mighty men were inspirational because they were the real deal. They didn't just talk about what they could do. They went and did it. Amen. <laughs> uh, hallelujah. And listen, I as a pastor am called to inspire you to be your greatest for Jesus. The question is, are you inspirable? Are you inspirable? I believe many are. I, I'm concerned that some are not. I'm concerned that some will not be inspired. And I'm concerned that some are so dead spiritually they could never be inspired unless the Holy Spirit grips their heart and reveals them to, to them their need of salvation. And I want to say this, if I have failed to inspire you to be mighty for God, then I have failed as your spiritual influencer. There's nothing I'd rather do than to make a difference in your life to where maybe your walk with Jesus is a little bit tighter because of something I said or did that inspired you. I promise you that's what I live for. That's what I live for. And that's how singularly focused that I am. I'll give you this and I'll bring it to a close. Jesus came, he said, to do the works of his Father. Jesus said, I say only that which I see my Father do. He also taught that he did what his Father did. Jesus came already with an assignment from his Heavenly Father the which he should never veer off the path from. His sole obligation was to do the will of his Father. He brought not his own words. He did not his own deeds. Did you know the Bible said that Jesus learned... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? One of you preachers help me. Learned obedience. Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Boy, I scratched my head. I'm thinking the, great, the greatest teacher of them all, learning. I believe that word learn there is dealing as much with experience as anything. Because in heaven with his father, there was, 
I would imagine no need to be obedient to an assignment with insurmountable obstacles because he was in heaven and in heaven it's all perfect and there's no sin. But when he was put down in the middle of the earth, he was given an assignment that would require great suffering. And so through suffering, he learned and experienced for himself, the greatest teacher of them all, what it was like to be obedient to his heavenly father in real ways. Are we any less than our Lord? Rather, are we any greater than our Lord? Are we any better than our Lord? Should we expect to be able to be obedient to God and it not cost us greatly? Should we also learn through suffering obedience to the commands of Christ? Should we not learn the fellowship of His suffering by being obedient to the degree that it cost us personally? And today people are in church not to see what they can invest in it, but what they can pull out of it. They're a gimme, gimme, gimme generation. What can the church do for me? And they'll, 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 they'll run a circuit of churches to find out which one has the, the most benefits. And they'll join the one that they feel can invest the most into them. And God's looking for mighty men who will say, I'm not in it for what I can get out of it. I'm in it for what I can contribute to my King of Kings and my Lord of Lords, even if it drains me of my very last dime, drains me of my, all my time, drains me of my very last drop of blood, whatever it costs, because my King is worthy more than I could ever give Him. It's not about what I can get. It's about what I can give to Him. And yet we'll stroke our egos before we'll sacrifice and commit to obedience through cost and through suffering. Can I get an amen? So God, here's, here's the review. Mighty men are loyal to the king. Mighty men are men of action. Mighty men are men of commitment. Mighty men are men of defense. Mighty men are honorable men. Mighty men are aggressively courageous. And mighty men are inspiring and inspirable. As we stand to our feet, bow our heads, and close our eyes for just a moment, Joe's going to come play a song on the piano. If you need to pray, I invite you to come and just ask the Lord to help you to be a mighty man of God. Father, help us to be like Jesus. Jesus.